Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey everybody. Hey friends. We've got a great show today. First, we're talking with Becky Vieira about her new book, Enough About the Baby. And then we're doing Hot Goss 2023 Met Gala edition. It really hits different these days. It's a different gala. Yeah, I have opinions. When do we not have opinions? Hello? Truly. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, child. The tits and the sits. So can I start because it's neither a tit or a shit. It's just an observation. Yeah. Whatever the opposite of vortexing is, what is that? Not doing well. Did you ever have a day where you see a bunch of weird things and you're like, is this the harbinger of evil? Remember that one time I saw a plane and it looked like it wasn't moving in the air. And then I saw a woman crossing the street and a blind man came out of her somehow. Like what? So today I was walking to my appointment. A black cat crossed my path being chased directly directly behind by a bird. And then three more birds started attacking the black cat in front of me. And then I noticed the black cat had a bird in its mouth. I was like, this can't be good. It can't be good to have a black cat cross your path with a bunch of birds attacking it. I don't know what to tell you about that. It's opposite vortex, whatever that is. Well, I feel like you're in a strange place and you're kind of attracting strange things right now. It's just too many nonstop things for that to not be the case, in my opinion. So my tits are, I started hormone therapy and it's good. I'm not hot flashing. Ooh, that's nice. Today I looked at Lee and I was like, is this my libido? (laughs) You look like someone I might want to get on at some point in the near future. Well, that must feel nice. My bones are less achy. They did say that estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, all that other stuff can affect how achy you feel. So I'm Mm. starting to feel like a normal person rather than a reanimated zombie. That must be nice. So that's my tits. I've only been on them for like a week and I'm already noticing just a tiny bit of difference. I'm not waking up hot flashing as much. We'll take it. I'll take it. My shits are, what a difference a day makes in both a good and a bad way. Yesterday we recorded, we were recording two together, guys. And I was like, way, I got into grad school. Boo. They told me before I applied that it was hybrid and it really is not hybrid. So I got into grad school, but I don't even know if I can go to that grad school. She still hasn't talked to you, your advisor? No, I asked her to call me and then she was like, man, didn't call me. Oh my God. Yesterday I was like flying high. So excited I got into grad school. Right. Mere hours later, I was, you know, deflated. Guys, something you should know about me. I'm a bad loser. I really am. When something doesn't go my way, big things, small things, I just want to be like, well, forget it then. A couple times, Lee and I have planned a date night and we go and the place is closed. And I'm basically like, never mind. Let's go home. We don't need to eat. And while we're at it, why are we even together? I just throw everything out when something doesn't go my way. Sebastian does that too. I mean, really, I'm infantile. So yesterday I was like, forget higher 
education. I'll be a foot fetish model. Who cares? I'll work at McDonald's. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those things. Those foot fetish people make more money than we do. That's for sure. Why do I want to teach the kids? Screw children. I feel like that every day. Also, what a difference a day makes in a good way and just being like, no, I really do want to go to school. The whole idea of going back to school was attractive to me. It made me happy. I need to continue to do that. I can't be an infant like I want to be. But I needed last night to be infantile. That's why they say don't ever respond to things when you're feeling like that, which I need to get much better at listening to. Well, we know that I definitely... Yeah. That's not your strong suit for sure, but it's also not mine. And I'm a freaking meditation teacher, one would think. I know. Is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. I'm feeling good. I'm sorry, but also you're feeling pretty good. Other than the school thing, life is good for you. Yeah, I'm listening this time. Remember last time? Yeah, last time you were like, oh, really? Me, 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 me. I was like, really? I can't feel my leg. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to work out. We're opposite in that way. I've been like that my whole life. It's just not something I enjoy, but I've been walking every day, which is not exactly the most hard-hitting workout. They say that for women of a certain age, it's the better workout, actually. Yes, and it's also for weight loss if you're trying to lose weight, which I am. I'm also not. I'm just trying to get a little more toned, not lose weight. I'm okay with the weight I am. I just don't want to be quite so jiggly because I'm jiggly, and I've been eating pretty well and not drinking except on the weekends and just overall trying to take better care of myself. And the one thing that That's the exercise in all of this for me, and I'm sharing this for that reason, is I am very all or nothing. Mixed with being a perfectionist, when I go into these phases where I start to work out, I essentially beat myself up. I don't mean physically. I mean emotionally and mentally. I beat myself up, and I constantly am telling myself, like, that's not enough. Do more. This isn't enough. Do more. And it's like, if I don't start seeing changes immediately, I lose my fucking mind. I've been working in therapy, not just in this use of all or nothing, but in all uses, pre-2023, where I would have days where I would just fucking kick ass, and then I would be like, oh, I gotta lay down for the next two days. I am just depleted. I blew my load. So I'm trying not to do that in every facet of my life, and it takes a lot of self-talk. We're too old for that shit. It's not only that, it's just not a healthy way of being. I've been in therapy for a long time. I'm trying to think, what's the childhood trigger that makes me all or nothing? I don't know what it is, and you know what the truth is? I don't need to know what that is. It's called Virgo. Yeah, I really do think that's a big part of it. It just is who I am. So I have to tell you, if you also struggle with that, you're still going to tone up. You're still going to get things done. I know from experience, I can tell you that. So I hope that helps you. Also, I think I'm going to sell my new face. Okay. Even though I use it all the time and I'm going to get the zip. Which is the zip? It's the one that looks like a computer mouse. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's slightly newer than new face and it doesn't have attachments. It's microcurrent and nanocurrent, and it syncs to an app on your phone, so you can do guided things that target different things. Okay. And it penetrates deeper because of the nanocurrent, so it does things like helps with acne, hyperpigmentation, things that the new face doesn't do. I'm just going to swap it out, and I think sell on Poshmark or Mercari or something. Hopefully get 400 bucks. I want to get, my friend Valerie gets it all that time, the Pika laser. I don't know what that is. A laser that lasers your whole face, and it looks like sunburn for 
couple days. Not Morpheus 8? Well, that's another one. This is called Pico or Paco laser, whatever. I don't know. It looks like new skin. It's amazing. Huh. It's very expensive, though, so that's a bucket wish. That's the thing. All these treatments, all the laser things, even Botox. I'm kind of amazed at these young 20-something-year-old girls who are going and getting Botox every few months. Everyone makes more money than us, Ashley. Just by the price point. How do you afford to blow $600? Because I remember being in my 20s and even getting a haircut hurt. Are their parents paying for their Botox? I just don't know how it's happening. I go to two different hair places just because the color is too expensive where I get my cut. I just figured once every couple years that laser is worth it. Totally, totally. I'm just amazed by how expensive all that shit is. If we get a big paycheck coming in soon, that's my next big splurge. That's a fun one. Anyway, I don't have any shits. Oh, look at you. Next up, Becky Vieira. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest has been wearing mom jeans since 2016. She writes for a variety of parenting outlets and can often be found oversharing intimate details of her life on Instagram at Witty Otter. She's immensely proud of the time she thought to pee in one of her son's diapers while stuck in a car as opposed to her pants. I like that one. Becky's debut book is all about the real realities of the first year of motherhood in Enough About the Baby. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband, son, dog, three cats, and a partridge in a pear tree. Welcome, Becky V. Hi, Becky. Hi, thank you for having me. I feel like you are an original member of the Momtrage, even though we've never met you, because your whole intro is like the ethos of who we are as a podcast. I feel like even in the six years since my son was born, social media podcast moms have gotten so much more open and talking about motherhood. And it's so great. Yeah, we're not beige anymore. Yeah, thank God. Pro tip, speaking of peeing in your kid's diaper, full box of tissues, keep them in your car. You can take the tissues out, take a poop in them, and then wipe with all the tissues. Actual thing that someone in my family had to do while stuck in a traffic jam. Just putting it out there for everyone. My son's six now, and I still keep diapers in my car for me, just in case. Plus, it's good for spills. Spill some coffee, diaper. Yeah. And on that note, what made you write this book? book. It's really an extension of my Instagram page. The reason that I started that was when my son was born in 2016. I think we were still in the majority of that era of motherhood's great. I love it. It's perfect. It's a little hard, but overall, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done. And my baby shits rainbows. And I have an orgasm when I see my husband hold my baby because it's so beautiful and perfect. And that wasn't the case for me. I thought I was doing something wrong because I was early in the throes of postpartum depression. I was fighting with my husband. I thought that our marriage was over. Just so many things were horrible, but no one was talking about it. So I kept thinking, it's just me. And because I was suffering from postpartum depression, my brain started just lying and telling me these things and convinced me that everyone else is not having problems because they're not talking about it. So it's just me and I must be 
a terrible mother. Once I started to realize that it wasn't just me and the more I shared, the more response I got, it just became my outlet for oversharing and getting really personal and talking about all the hard parts. And this book is really just a collection of everything that I talk about, everything I still want to talk about from my Instagram page, but it's all in one place. And it's put together to help walk new moms through the first year. So it's much more chronological. And I have experts and I have real moms giving their stories too. I was trying to figure out how to word this. I was a little bit triggered in reading your book because I was remembering all of those things because I had a really difficult birth of my kid and then a really difficult postpartum and stuff. The things that you were talking about, it was so real and you were really laying it out in such a good way that for a second, I got re-remembered and triggered of all those things. And that's a testament to how good this book is for people thinking about having a baby. Because I was like, yeah, no one told me about that. I have a four-year-old, so we're not that far from it. I mean, it feels like such day and night from that first year, but I'm still working through some of those things. I think I might be working through them for quite some time. I've been writing about it so much that I've almost gotten to a place where I can just put it out there and I'm okay. But a few weeks ago, I was chatting with some friends of mine and one of them read a passage from the book and I became so overwhelmed that I started crying and I couldn't speak because to hear it from someone else, reading my words, it was so much more personal. And I'm still working through things six years later and I think I probably always will be. There's so many things that come with postpartum depression and anxiety and I think a lot of it is guilt that it's beyond our control, but it's guilt that nonetheless, we're going to carry, I think for me, I'm going to carry it forever. Can you tell us about your birth story? And is that part of why you wrote this book? Yes. As a first time only mom, I didn't really know what to expect. And I'm the type of person who is really not great at advocating for myself. I can do it for anyone in my family. I can certainly do it for my son. But when it comes to me, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to upset said anyone. I'm so sorry to bother you. You don't have to answer, but I have a question. So it was really hard for me to demand things that I wanted to know. And I also thought I knew everything I needed to know. I took the classes. I read the books. I thought I'm prepared. I know I was having a scheduled C-section. So they walk you through the timeline as in you'll go in, you'll get an epidural, this, that. But there were so many other things in between that, that I didn't know. And I didn't think to ask, both as a combination of me not wanting to bother anyone, but also not knowing it was a thing. My C-section, I was very removed from it. I didn't want to disturb anyone, so I wasn't asking what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know when my son was actually removed from my body. I didn't see him. I didn't know if I could ask. And I sat there and I just felt like I was this observer, really, in this situation that was unfolding. And of course, the doctors, the anesthesiologists, the nurse, they're all vital to keeping me and my son healthy and alive. But I also didn't give myself credit for the fact that I played a role in that too. Like so many things in motherhood, I look back and it's would have, should have, could have. I wish I had done more. I wish I had asked questions. And not having another child, I won't get that chance again to go back and see the baby held up like Simba. I mean, I didn't have a cesarean and I can tell you as soon as the baby came 
out. They whipped him away and took him to where they clean him off and stuff like that. So there was no Simba moment, if that helps. And that's what's great, though, is hearing other moms talk about that. As opposed to talking to expecting moms, this book also speaks to new moms and women who are so far down the line because it gives you that Me Too moment. I wasn't the only one. I also missed out on this. I wish I had done that. And that's a great thing I'm hearing from a lot of women, even women who are in their 60s who are telling me they read my book and it just gave them a lot of peace. It creates a sense of community to know that there are other people out there that you aren't the only one and gives us permission to maybe speak out loud things that we thought that we shouldn't. Absolutely. Everyone's story matters and someone needs to hear your story and my story and their stories. The more we talk, the less taboo things become, the more open and normal. Right. I don't know that my postpartum depression could have been avoided entirely because there are chemicals involved. But I do believe that had I known that I wasn't failing, that other couples were arguing, I would have been so much happier and on a better path. So Ashley and I are both super hardcore list makers. Ashley, probably even more so than I am. I'm a Virgo. The lists in the back of the book, game changers. Yep. If I was pregnant right now, just rip that shit out and just put it on my notebook for my plan of birth. Were these lists something you had going into having your child or is it something that you came up with afterwards? I went in so clueless. I didn't even think to bring snacks. There were so many things because again, I just took the information that was handed. Bring something to wear home. Bring your own sheets if you want. I brought my own pillow. I threw it out after I was done, but I did bring my own pillow. No one even told me that perhaps I should bring something that wouldn't rub on my C-section incision. So that outfit I had planned to wear home, I couldn't even wear. Sometimes I think about that first shit after giving birth and I still wince. I still am like, oh, Ugh. I don't even really remember what the pain is, but just the anticipation of the pain is the thing that has stuck with me for five years, almost six years at this point. And no one tells you, no one tells you that you are going to just have huge hemorrhoids. Everything is going to hurt. You're not going to just be able to pass out with your baby. I did so much. I wish TikTok had been around. The other thing that you wrote about that my baby daddy and I still talk about was that first car trip home. My friend had given us a car seat and not all the pieces were there. And we didn't know it. We hadn't even tried to put the car seat in the car ahead of time. So we're trying to put the car seat in. We put the baby in. We're like, this doesn't seem right. This baby is not stable. So we got discharged at 6.30 p.m. Babies R Us or whatever store in New York closed at 7. So I was like, let me rush. Me and my mom and my baby have to go back into the hospital. We're already discharged and just sit and wait for my husband. I'm Googling the next best car seat that we can buy. And driving in the city is crazy. He paid some guy to stay with our car. He paid the guy at Babies R Us to install it in the car. And then even on the ride home, they're so tiny. Without my seatbelt on, I held her neck and head up the entire 40-minute drive home. I made him drive with his blinkers on like 15 miles per hour. So I recommend people really go through that quite a lot before they come home and even figure out your route. Do you want to avoid a freeway? Do you want to avoid a certain street? That's a good tip. There's no harm 
test runs. What was your biggest struggle in the birthing, pregnancy, brand new baby process? Pregnancy wasn't too bad. I was 40 when I got pregnant. And it was that whole geriatric pregnancy thing. The constant doctor's appointments. I was so lucky in that I had a really healthy pregnancy. I had dizziness. I had pretty bad morning sickness, insomnia, but I had nothing where there was ever any danger to myself or my baby. But I was in the doctor's office constantly. I was non-stress test three times a week, four times. I would get calls. You're supposed to be here for a non-stress test. You're like, well, that's stressing me. Or I remember at the hospital parking for an appointment and I couldn't get a parking spot and I'm running at eight and a half, nine months pregnant. And I appreciate that I was being so taken care of, but it really did add that whole unnecessary extra layer of stress. I was worried in my pregnancy anyway. I was worried about my son constantly. And then on top of that, it's, is my geriatric body going to be able to handle? We got to really change that name. Now they call it advanced. May as well call it old bitch pregnancy or something. Put me out to pasture after this baby. Get this baby out and then kill me. It felt like, get the baby out and then send her out to that Japanese forest where the old people die. Go. And that's also something, speaking of what was hard after birth, was that that really does happen. You fall off this medical care cliff. The second the baby comes out of your body, it's about the baby. Of course it should be, but it really made me feel like maybe I was just a vessel, that all I was good for was growing and cocooning this baby until he was ready to be out in the world. I think it was such a drop-off and it was so hard because we are still going through so much and you become an afterthought once your baby is born. You really and truly do. I remember a doctor coming in one morning to examine my son and I really wanted coffee. And I said to him, excuse me, would I be possible if I had a, you know, again, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. A small cup of half-calf or even decaf. And he turned around and he said, do you see this baby? Do you even care what that's going to do to your baby? This is not about you anymore. I would have slapped him. Yeah, he was awful. I was living in a smaller town when I gave birth and he turned out to be the head doctor at the pediatric care group where I went. And I saw him and his wife downtown one day and they walked by and oh what a beautiful baby and if I could have killed him with my eyes I would have it really angers me I sometimes look at myself post baby as almost another person I wasn't myself I can look back and almost see it and so I always say I feel so sorry for her I want to go back and help her and I think the her is also all moms I want to help them yeah why don't they know these things right my doctor was wonderful but she could only do so much I would go in there and cry and she would hold me. But then again, you leave the hospital, you don't see your doctor for six weeks. A high majority of postpartum maternal death happen in the first 42 days postpartum. The first 42 days is six weeks. So we're just leaving these women out to dry during a time that's highly likely that they could die. And it's absolutely disgusting. Our doctors can't do anything. There's plenty of people who can't pay for it if their insurance won't pay for it. And the insurance isn't going to. Not to mention... It's not out of our own best interest. It's not like they're like, don't leave the house. You have a baby to care for. You still have to leave the house every week to take the baby to the doctor. And here I get on my feminist soapbox, but if it was a man having something done, I had major surgery. I had 
my abdomen was sliced, but we'll see you in six weeks. It's a joke. It's horrible. And so why isn't the government holding these insurance companies accountable for this? Why aren't they telling them women are dying? Less women are choosing to become mothers because it's become such a thing in this country where we're expected to do everything. We're expected to be martyrs. Nobody wants to help us. And a lot of women are either becoming moms later or saying, forget it. I'm done. Your vessel comment about how we're just vessels, I mean, that's reflected in the way our government now treats our rights to our own reproductive selves. We are truly a vessel in a lot of states, whether it's elective or an actual health issue. They're not letting women do what's best for them. And all that proves is, yes, to the decision makers, we are vessels. So what's your favorite part of motherhood? I don't want to cry. I was on the sidelines for so long. I was the last because I had my son so late. I was the last nieces, nephews, friends. I was so involved in their kids' lives and was a able to have such a close relationship with them and just loved them and felt the love. But there's always a time where a child only wants their mom. No matter how close you are, no matter what you do, they only want their mom. And I had never been that all-encompassing person for someone. And I remember times when my son got a little bigger and someone was holding him and he reached for me or he would be upset and just, mama, mama, mama. Just the responsibility, the beauty, all of it rolled into one. I think that moment, I love it. I love that I'm his safe place. I love that he still wants to cuddle up next to me on the couch. The responsibility, it's just wonderful. It's a gift. And I know I sound like now I'm off on some mother. Well, don't worry. We're going to ask you the worst part in a second. So you'll redeem yourself. It's fine. I mean, there's a lot of times I look at my son and I just say, you're lucky you're cute. I mean, the other day he did something and walked off and I, without thinking, flipped him off. My son accused me of flipping him the bird one time. He said, you did that. And I don't remember it, but I'm almost positive I did. And I had to deny it because I can't tell my kid like, yeah, this is an appropriate way for us to talk to one another. I don't know what mindset I was in. But I'm almost positive I actually did flip him off. Not realizing it. Yeah. It's funny. Momtourage is very much like Witty Otter. It's supposed to be a very safe place for moms to not have to feel like they have to be the perfect mothers. And they have to say, motherhood is such a gift. You can be honest about them. And we do a lot of shit talking about our kids. We say, oh, they were an asshole the other day. But I will tell you what you said about being that one person that your kid wants sometime really is probably one of the best parts parts of being a parent. Now, when your parent is being really annoying and codependent and literally will not leave you alone, which is an issue Carrie has, I don't have it so much. I was just like, I want to feel the way you're feeling. And sometimes I feel it, but a lot of times I'm like, oh God, somebody needs me forever. Oh, worst. So on that note, what is the worst part of this whole motherhood parenting thing for you? I think at different stages, different things have stood out. The exhaustion in the newborn stage, you don't really know what exhaustion is until you have a newborn. It's a form of torture. Again, all the things moms aren't getting help with. For me, what gets harder, especially he gets older and he's out in the world more, is not knowing what they're doing or how they're behaving and constantly 
questioning myself. My son's in this stage right now where he just exaggerates a lot and it's bordering on, okay, we need to rein this in. And so there's guilt. What did I do? Did I do something wrong? This cycle of doubt and fear and worry, that for me is really hard. I'll always worry about him for a million reasons. Is he safe? Is he happy? Is he being hurt? Is he having his feelings hurt? And then is he behaving well? Is he being kind to other people? And you don't know. And you do have to let them go. You do let them go to school and to their activities. I just carry a lot of that with me at all times. I just always think too, we take a lot of care in our business. So mom trash, Ashley and I want to make sure that we're doing the best, let alone we're shaping and growing a human being. It's a lot. It's a big responsibility. And it matters. It matters because this is something we are putting out into society. This is a human who is capable of doing amazing things or really horrible things. It's a huge responsibility. And I don't think people realize that. So I think back to mothers of serial killers. Did you really think it was okay when they were murdering kittens? You didn't want to step in? I think about that more often than I should. And I think also when you're the mother of a boy, seeing how many things have happened in the world at the hands of, you know, young white men who just aren't in touch with their feelings or whatever the sociopathic thing is, there is a level of responsibility. So we ask all our guests this question. And in some ways, you ask the question in your book in a lot of different ways. So I love that. What do you think is the one thing that mothers should outsource if they have the means to do so? This is a great question because people get so angry. I don't have money. You're being elitist. You're being this, you're being that. I didn't have money for a nanny when my son was born. I didn't have a lot of extra money for help or anything like that. I didn't even have a babysitter. But I think there's a lot of ways around things like that. The most important thing at the beginning is to outsource help around the house. Your focus does as much as we're saying, oh, the baby, it really does need to be on the baby. You are keeping a tiny, helpless human alive. This is someone who can't wipe their ass, who can't ask for food, who can't even hold their fucking neck up on their own. So you do need to focus on that. For me, I'm someone who likes my house a certain way and my husband is not that way. That was a problem for us before we had a child. But when my son was born and we're tired and we're trying to survive, it was amplified for me and for him, it was even more, well, why do you care? Let it go. You're like, oh, you're right. I'll just let it go. You just calm down. You're right. I should relax. But household chores, and it's so many little things. It's sorting the mail. It's picking up groceries. It's if you have a dog, it's walking the dog. And I think that a lot of this we look at as no one can do this, or I can't afford someone to do this. There's a lot of different ways you can go about it. I had neighbors with kids, junior high age kids. I could have so easily called one of them and said, hey, do you want to make $10 an hour or something and come over and just help with dishes or help with things like that? There's the whole chapter on asking for help. And the expert in there was so eye-opening for me. She said a lot of times we look at it like we can't ask for help because we need one solution that's going to cover everything. So we need to find a superhuman who's going to come in and clean our house and run our errands and help with the baby. It's not true. Little bits of help here and there really do fill up this void. And there's a lot of ways you can ask for help. We don't have to ask one friend to do everything. You can ask one friend, could you pick up a grocery order? Could you pick up a target order? Breaking it down. And then people will say, well, I don't have friends and you're making me feel bad. I see people on next door. 
see people in Facebook mom groups. My 16-year-old daughter is looking to help in any way, to be a mother's helper. So I think really just trying to outsource what you can, whether that be with paid help, whether that be with family or friends, it's going to make a difference. And you might not think having someone go out and get you more Ziploc bags or eco-friendly reusable bamboo bags. It's going to make a difference, but it's one less thing on your to-do list. And I think that does so much for our mental health that we don't realize because there's so much stress on you. Like we said, it's this responsibility for this child. And then you add on top of that worries about your relationship in-laws, friends, unsolicited advice, your life continues. You think that when you have a baby, it's this massive thing and it is, but the world's still going on outside your door and it's going to continue to go on and you don't have a choice, but to move on with it. So realizing that in addition to being a mom, you still have to keep on chugging everywhere else. Thank you so much for joining us. The book is perfect. It's a great gift for anybody expecting. Can you please plug yourself, tell everyone where they can find you, all the self-promotion. So my book, Enough About the Baby, Amazon, always great, Barnes and Noble, tons of small independent bookstores. It's in a ton of libraries also available for Kindle and as an audiobook. If you read the book, if you like it, if you sort of like it, please leave reviews. That makes a huge difference. I can mostly be found on Instagram at Witty Otter. Thank you so much. Thank you. So for those who don't know, the Met Gala is thrown by the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It is to raise money for something that they do there. I don't know. Somehow Vogue is involved and they throw this the first Monday in May every year and they choose a different theme. And this year they chose Karl Lagerfeld. Here's a couple of things. Firstly, I want to say, and I've said this before, Chanel's an anti-Semitic company. I don't know if people that work there now still live by those values, but it was founded by a Nazi. A Nazi spy. Also, Karl Lagerfeld himself was a little problematic. Not even just a little problematic. He did not like fat people. There were a number of larger women, like Lizzo, that didn't look that great. And I think part of that is because a lot of his looks were not designed for heavy women. He called Heidi Klum big. Even when she was pregnant, I don't think she was a big girl. She's never been a big girl. Tall. Yes. Gigantically tall. Loves dressing like a worm. However, (laughs) not a big girl. She's such a weirdo. I kind of love that she's just straight up weirdo. She was on Martha once. Nice. Just a total cuckoo bird. So anyway, do you have some heavy hitters? Your number one outfit choices. Who are your favorites? I mostly have the people that I hated. That's a stronger sensation for me. Okay, let's hear who you hated. Hated Kim Kardashian. I hated all the Kardashians. People liked Kendall's outfit. I just think that Kardashians do not belong at the Met Gala. I have to say I really liked Kylie's dress, but not for this occasion. I didn't like any of them. I saw a video today of this girl who was watching the Met Gala from one of the apartments across the street so they could see everyone coming in. And they showed it on the phone. And they showed Kim and North arrive. And Kim goes in and North was just left there on the street completely by herself. That can't be safe. Just standing there. There's not an assistant. There's not anybody to take care of this child. They just left this little girl. Everyone was like, no, Kim's the priority. Kim didn't think. I am just constantly amazed by what horrible parents these people are. I like Dua Lipa's dress. I did too. I thought the hair needed to be different, but I did like the dress. I really liked Doja Cat's whole Chupet, whatever the hell the cat's name was. I mean, I was over. 
I'm over the Doja Cat whole thing, but I do think that the Met Gala is the situation, it is the circumstance to go all out like that. I like that she did. I thought the dress was beautiful. I thought she looked beautiful. It was over the top. I would not like it in everyday look, but I liked it. I loved my boy Pedro with his bare knee and his leg looked so sexy. He looked so good. Loved Pedro. I also loved Harvey Guillen, who plays Guillermo yes. in What We Do in the Shadows. My number one best dressed. I like Janelle Monet's peel-off outfit. Not into it. I love that final look that was just black. Very appropriate for the event, but it wasn't my favorite. My number one pick for the evening, and I hate that I am becoming such a fan, is Anne Hathaway. I know. She's really having a moment. Forget JLo's person. I need Anne Hathaway's. You can't tell me she's not having at least Botox. She's definitely having Botox. She's definitely having chemical peels. I think it's more than that. You do? Yeah. I think she looks... Fantastic. Oh, you know who else I loved? Rita Ora's husband. Oh, Taika Waititi. He looked amazing. He's so sexy. He is so sexy. And his style, or whoever his stylist is, is beyond. I know. I loved his whole look. I love that he's always giving a nod to his culture. And he's always down to have fun. Rita Ora looked okay, but he stole the show. I really want somebody to explain to me the appeal of Rita Ora and how she continues to be a thing. Because I don't know one Rita Ora song, but apparently that's what she does. According to Blinds, those two are just bringing people into their relationship left and right, which fine, whatever works for you, but I don't know, just a weird couple. Ever since Cara Delevingne got sober, good for her. She looks good. I mean, I didn't love the hair, although I liked her outfit, but she just looks good, and I'm so happy that she looks good. I have no idea who Anuk Yai is, but that look, the hair, that dress, the way her cleavage looked. That mask thing, that was spectacular. Well done. I don't know who this woman is, but I adore her. Kristen Stewart was peak L word. Kristen Stewart was so lestastic. She was so greasy. But I like it for her. I think it suits her. I like it for her too. I just needed a dry shampoo. That was all. I did not like Naomi Campbell's throwback dress. I just didn't like the dress. I mean, she's Naomi Campbell. She always looks beautiful. She's a fucking supermodel. Sydney Sweeney. Meh. People love that. I thought it was eh. I thought it was fine. I have a weird feeling towards Sydney Sweeney. I respect the girl's hustle. She's very pretty, but she also kind of has vacant eyes. I think she's tryharding to be like, I'm a guy's girl. I agree. She does strike me as a little bit of a pick-me girl. I don't feel one way or another. I just think she's trying a little hard. Agreed. So my biggest problem with Kim's dress is, one, we've seen that kind of look on her. Two, the underpinnings look cheap. The whole look looked cheap. She looked cheap. Also, didn't like little Nas. I know he's doing a cat thing. Mm -hmm. Didn't like it. That felt cheap. I didn't mind it. I love that he always brings it. And I think the Met Gala is the place to bring it. Agreed. It felt as misguided as Cara Delevingne's look last year where she just had the gold pasties and then was painted gold. I don't know. We're there for clothes. Wear some. Carly Kloss, the actual dress had the look of blurred beads on the fabric. Then she had the beads on it. Don't like her as a dark haired girl. She's probably actually a dark haired girl and she's pregnant so she can't get her hair dyed. I just was like, you are so beautiful and you're a model. Is she? I think so. I think she's overrated. I hated whoever just wrote Carl on the back of their dress. Who was that? Well, there were two. Somebody who had a long train with his face on it and then there was fucking Lily Collins. That was it. That was terrible. And it was such an Emily in Paris move. I didn't like it. Ugh, I did not like it. Ben Platt looked incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, it was too much. He was doing like a bullfighter silhouette and it just wasn't right. Yes, I was not into it. 
Something about the ratio was wrong. Yeah. And I also really liked Maya Hawk, her whole vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care for her. I don't have feelings about her either way. I know she's a big time Nepo baby. She hasn't done anything that makes me feel like she should be an actor. She generally is a big old yawn for me, but I really liked her outfit yesterday. I wish Jared Leto had kept the head on. I wish he would just go back to his cult. Let me just say, that was a beautiful cat costume. It was a beautiful cat costume, but that cat was also a beautiful cat. I'm so tired of the guy liner. I think it would have been a cooler thing if he kept the head on and then wore a 22nd to Mars t-shirt over the cat costume or something. I liked Florence Pugh's shaved head. And I love that headpiece. I don't know how I feel about her in general. Yeah, I have not seen Midsommar because I'm kind of scared too. Yeah, it's a meh movie. It's meh. I saw Don't Worry Darling and I thought she was very good in it. But whoever her stylist is, I think it's time to move on because they're just repeating looks with her at this point. It's see-through elements. The same cuts to all the outfits. I also thought Serena Williams' dress was an absolute tragedy. Whoever's her stylist needs to be fired. Absolutely. They don't know how to dress her. They don't know how to dress her body. It's bad. Michelle Yeoh, gorgeous. You know who dressed Michelle Yeoh? My friend Dina, the stylist. She's beautiful. Pedro Pascal's knee is just so sensual. I mean, it's just a knee. I know, but it was very well moisturized. Emily Blunt's looking a little overly processed, if you ask me. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because she's beautiful. Yeah. But she is looking a little overly injected. We also need to talk about J-Lo. Meh. Meh. You know what, J-Lo? Cover yourself up a little bit. I have no problem with her not being covered up, but I'd like to see her try something different. I'd like to see the woman feel sexy in a fucking schmata. Let's see if she can do it. Let's see if she does like a full man pantsuit. Absolutely. I would love to see something different from her. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Olivia Wilde wearing the same dress as somebody else. I love that she's just failing so hard publicly. I love it. How did that happen? I don't know. I will say though, she was serving face and serving hair. Yeah. Her makeup and her hair looked incredible. She looked the most stunning I think she's ever looked. And I kind of like the dress in the white better, but I don't want to be too team her. Michaela Cole. Who's that? I don't know what she's from, but she was in the Scaparelli dress that was kind of see-through. She looks stunning. Beautiful. And she had cornrows going back. It complemented the dress in the most beautiful way. I'm concerned about Billy. Eilish. She has not been looking great these days. No, she has not. I feel like she's having some troubles. People loved her look last night. Not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Amanda Seyfried. People hated it. I loved it. I was medium on it. We've interviewed her. She's so attractive. I just love her. She has this beautiful alien thing yeah. where she kind of looks like an alien. Oh my God. If that's what aliens look like, I'm good. The dude from Succession. Jeremy Strong. I love that he wore jewelry. So he had a grooming sponsor and it was Do. The people that make the reusable under eye patches. I love that. His necklace is made by Frank Ocean. I love that because Frank's going through a hard time. His brother died. That Coachella thing was hard because his brother died. I just love that he was representing a little bit. Rihanna, meh. I know, what a letdown. Rachel Brosnahan also. Yeah, meh, meh. meh. I know she didn't really care for me, but I did love Tiana Taylor's look. Yeah. The thing about that woman, I know 
know she did care for me. I love her no matter what. She has such an attitude. I like it when it's not directed towards me. And she is very sexy. Yeah. She is a stunning, sexy woman. That Arena, Mia, whatever, who used to be married to Bradley Cooper. Oh, Arena Shake. Yeah, she was there and she is finally looking like her age. She looked kind of old and worn. I don't mean that in a mean way. She's still so gorgeous, but sometimes I like when models finally look like real people. Yes. You are the most stunningly gorgeous person, but the fact that you're aging, I'm like, well, good. You're giving me a reason to have hope. You think that she looks her age? I think she looks exactly the fucking same she always does. Oh, really? Some hot goss. Supposedly, people think because Pedro and Bradley Cooper left that hotel that all the celebrities get ready in at the same time and they're friends. Oh, that they're together. That would make sense. I mean, I think so. I definitely think they're both into men. But I think Pedro will come out eventually. I don't think Bradley will ever. No, Bradley will not. And it's interesting because he's going to have that Leonard Bernstein movie coming out shortly. You would think maybe he's saving it up. Hashtag swag bag. You guys know I love my esthetician, Kathleen Callahan, skin by Kathleen. We will tag her in the notes. But she is a product-obsessed person. She understands ingredients. She understands how they work. She looks at your face and customizes a facial to what your face needs at that moment. I need to go to her because I'm in need of a facial. She's fantastic. You should definitely go to her. She was like, you're very congested in your nose and your chin. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what to do. And one of her things with me is, you over-exfoliate. You got to calm down. Stop over-exfoliating. She recommended this aloe BHA skin toner. I use it two times a week. And I have to tell you, the blackheads in my nose and my chin have really, really subsided. It is a great product. And I think it was under $20. Love that. Again, I'm coming in with the food things, the simple things. Getting Luna ready for school is a really hard thing for me. And finding what she'll eat and what she won't eat is hard. So I go ahead and buy pre-sliced, pre-bagged apples. Like McDonald's. Yeah. She won't eat them if they're brown. And if I cut one and put it in her thing, it goes brown. And even if I treated it with lemon juice, she still won't do it because then she says it tastes like lemons. Whatever fucking chemical they put in that will probably kill her is making it not turn brown. Citric acid. That's in so much stuff and it's a pretty non-offensive ingredient. So you're good. Even though it's more expensive and it's wasteful for the environment, I get it. It saves me so much trouble. It makes me know that she's getting a fruit in there. She always eats it. And so for me, sometimes you have to take the path of least resistance and do what you can, save money and conserve the planet in some ways and other ways you just have to suck it up. Suck it up. Yep. So pre-sliced, pre-packaged apples. That is my sweat. I think it's great. All right, guys, we love you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.